Matt Schaff and Jared Smoll of DraftSharks.com here to run you through a preview of week one. If you've been with us for a while, our Thursday previews are going to look a little bit different this year. I'm no longer running through all of the games every week. Instead, we're going to focus in on some key players, some key situations, and those decisions that are actually difficult for the week to try to help you set those lineups. It's a new format that's still evolving. So if you got questions, suggestions, whatever, hit us in the YouTube comments. We definitely love hearing from you there, and we're open to whatever suggestions you have along the way. Or you can also give us feedback on the Draft Sharks Discord. You can get there via the Intel menu at the top of any page on DraftSharks.com. Jared, let's jump into the positions. We'll start at quarterback as usual, where I think Joe Burrow is a good place to start, not because it's really a big question of whether you start him. I mean, it's Joe Burrow. You drafted him early. He's going to play. You're probably starting him. He does have the calf injuries coming back from, and he does have a matchup that might be tougher than people realize. He says the calf is good. So that's not really factoring into whether I'm starting him. Like I said, you're probably starting him, but when I combine him coming off that, maybe the team wanting to take it a little bit easier on him to ease back in and, and keep him healthy over the long haul. Plus, the Browns being a tough matchup versus quarterbacks last year, a very favorable matchup to running backs last year. They held Joe Burrow to 232, 239 yards. I wonder if I have like Joe Burrow and Geno Smith on my roster, I might be starting Geno Smith this week just because I think he has a higher ceiling. Yeah, I don't think I could. Um, I mean, they are back to back in the rankings. Though. So I think like Gino, he's the one guy you might have paired with Burrow, I would consider. Um, Burrow was a full go in Wednesday's practice. You know, everything we've heard for the past like three weeks has been like, he's going to be fine for this game. You said they might like take it easy on Burrow. I don't really know how you do that. Like they're not going to call design runs for Joe Burrow. Obviously they, they usually don't anyways. Maybe his mobility is a bit limited. I'm not really factoring in the calf too much into this decision. Burrow did relatively struggle in his two games against the Browns last year. As you mentioned, quarterback 21, quarterback 14 finishes in those two games. Jamar Chase missed the first game. T Higgins played one snap in the second game. So, you know, Burrow did not have his full, his full weaponry for either of those games. I'm very likely starting Joe Burrow if I have him this week. Yeah. And I mentioned, Geno Smith specifically because that's one player that I would consider starting over Joe Burrow. It's not going to be wrong to start Joe Burrow. Even if he scores his QB 18 this week, it wasn't wrong to start the guy that you drafted early. And because we already started talking about Geno Smith, I mentioned him not only because I like the matchup against the Rams, but he finished his QB eight in points per game last year. So it might seem a little crazy to think, why would I start Geno Smith over Joe Burrow as a top five quarterback? Well, we're talking about a guy who was top eight last year. We want to be a little bit conservative, not just assuming that Geno Smith is going to score the exact same way, but he scored that way last year. Then they added Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's expected to play in this game. And like I said, they're playing a Rams defense that over the past two years has just been decimated by what they did with the cap and draft picks. It looks like a defense that could be awful. I would bet that pretty much everybody watching or listening to this could not even name a starting quarterback for these Rams. I wouldn't be surprised if Geno Smith is one of the very top scoring yeah. quarterbacks this week. Yeah, definitely a awesome spot for Smith in week one here. You mentioned Jackson Smith and Jigba. Pete Carroll said he's going to play on Wednesday. JSN went on to, to put in a full practice on Wednesday. So sure looks like he he's going to be in there. And I would probably wouldn't want to start JSN week one, but it's definitely good news for, for Geno's outlook. Geno Smith at home. Seahawks have the fourth highest implied total of the week at 25.75 points. So, um, you know, among the 
quarterbacks who might not be every week starters for you this season. I think, you know, Gino's definitely in, in the best spot among those guys. I think you feel good if you have Gino, especially if you waited on quarterback and he's one of the guys heading into week one. Now the final two quarterbacks to talk about, I think for me fall in the same category where I like the upside for the season. I would yep. like to get a week to watch them before I start them. If possible, Deshaun Watson. So he's a little different from the next quarterback. We'll talk about because we've seen a lot of Deshaun Watson, but the little we saw of him last year was not very good. In a controlled way, we're betting on him rebounding from that. He was in the bottom of QB1 territory in our rankings, and I certainly like him at that level for the season. That said, he's opening against a Bengals team that was actually the second worst matchup for quarterback scoring in the league last year by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. And you can see stats like that on our strength of schedule pages for all the positions. So I'm not saying you have to find somebody to start over Deshaun Watson, but if you have two quarterbacks, one of them's Watson, one of them's Geno Smith, maybe Kirk Cousins, I think I might lean towards sitting Watson in this one. Yeah, I think I'm most optimistic about Deshaun Watson this year as anyone on, on the Draft Shark staff. And even I would, you know, prefer not to use him this week for, you know, the matchup against the Bengals. Uh, you know, the Browns have a kind of middling 22.75 point uh, implied total. I think, you know, they're going to be higher than that a lot of weeks this season. So I think, you know, the Vegas lines are kind of suggesting to maybe uh, play conservatively with Watson here. So, yeah, I mean, I think Geno Smith, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, you know, those guys you might've been able to pair with Deshaun Watson. And if that was the case for you, I would, I would start those guys over Watson this week. What about Tua against the chargers versus Watson? Tua, Tua over Watson for me. I like Tua um, ahead of all those guys uh, besides Geno Smith. Anthony Richardson is the last quarterback we'll talk about. And like with Watson, love the upside. I'm very curious to see what he does this year, but like Deshaun Watson, I would like to get a week of watching him before using him. Jacksonville was actually a pretty solid defense last year. Not terrific, but they also have some young pieces that could be better this year. It looks like a game that Jacksonville should take a lead in. So, you know, Anthony Richardson in a trailing position, obviously we're playing him for the rushing. And if he's your top quarterback and you have, you know, a much later one behind him, you can go ahead and use him. But I would like to be able to watch the rookie for a game before throwing him into lineups. Yeah, me too. Totally agree. Um, you know, we saw a decent amount of Richardson this preseason and it kind of went as expected, right? Like the passing was, was very up and down. You saw the elite rushing ability. It goes nice to see that translate to the NFL field. It wouldn't shock me if Richardson comes out, you know, under Shane Steichen, who has the history with Jalen Hurts, no Jonathan Taylor, obviously for the Colts. It wouldn't shock me if Richardson runs like 11 times for 90 yards and a touchdown. But I think he's going to have to do something like that to to deliver fantasy points because I don't expect him to do a, a whole lot in the passing game. Yeah, it also wouldn't shock me if he throws for 145 and no touchdowns and a pick or two. So, I mean, you know, we like the rushing floor, but if you can help it, it would be nice to look somewhere else for week one. Over to running back, we've got Alexander Madison first up on the list. And Jared, I put him down because he's sitting right in that fringe of RB1 territory in our rankings this week. For me, Madison both this week and for the year is a bet primarily on the situation and his expected workload as opposed to the player's talent. So I think if you drafted Alexander Madison at the level where you had to draft him in August, at least to get him, he should probably be in your lineup for week one based on those factors. The matchup is probably not good though. We don't know yet. It's week one. So we're, you know, making educated guesses at best on all of these matchups, but the Bucks have perennially been tough against the run. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's a tougher rushing day. That said, the Vikings are tied for the fourth highest implied total of the week. So it's quite possible Madison has trouble 
gaining yards, but scores a touchdown on his, you know, 46 yard rushing day and he's fine for you. Right. Yeah. I think the longer term bet against Madison was that, you know, he's just not that good. And if you know Minnesota sees that for, for a month or a month and a half, then they might, you know, start giving Ty Chandler more work or something, but everything we heard all off season, really since, since the Dalvin cook uh, departure is that Madison's going to, you know, at least open the season as, you know, you know, something close to a feature back for Minnesota. He didn't play in the preseason. He got like the feature back treatment in the preseason, not playing any of those games. Whereas, you know, Ty, Ty Chandler played quite a bit. So I am expecting Madison to, you know, be like a 70 plus percent snap guy, at least for week one. Um, yeah, we'll see about the Bucks matchup, but we like that Madison, again, his Vikings have the high implied total. They're six point home favorites. So this is a game Minnesota should be able to control and, you know, get Madison, uh, you know, 15 plus carries plus, uh, you know, some work in the passing game. Yeah, I look at the rankings. I'm like, Madison is as RB12. I'm not sure I love that, but if he's RB16, I mean, that's not changing much for a whole lot of teams. So I like the situation. J.K. Dobbins, I have an easier time getting excited about this week. The Ravens have the third highest implied total for week one. They are favored by 10 at Houston, a team that was weak in run defense last year. Again, we'll see about them this year, but I certainly don't see anything about it that says the Texans are going to go from doormat to brick wall against the run. Yeah. I think it's also interesting to look at the market on the yardage props for both Lamar Jackson and Dobbins. We've got Lamar Jackson at 215 and a half passing <laughs> yards, which is fairly low, even for Jackson, especially for the matchup. And yet Dobbins is at 54 and a half yards. So it looks like Vegas is trying to just be conservative on Baltimore actually throwing the ball more and being better throwing the ball and Dobbins actually leading the backfield. You know, we'll see what happens in the game. But to me, that presents opportunity on both players. Yeah. And if you remember, too, uh, the Texans were the, the best matchup for opposing running backs. They were the worst matchup in terms of adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. And it wasn't necessarily because they were a great pass defense last year. It was just that teams were able to run against them. They were playing with leads against Houston and they just didn't you know, have to throw and rack up. Uh, much production in the passing game. And that could definitely be the case in this game for Baltimore as, you know, big home favorites, as you mentioned. I just, I think J.K. Dobbins is going to go down as the best running back value in fantasy drafts. I know I drafted a ton of him and um, I, I kind of think his his big season is going to start in week one. You, you really couldn't ask for a, a much better spot. Yeah, I mean, even if they don't want to overload him on carries, he could easily carry, you know, 15, 16, 17 times against Houston and have a really big day. He put up big yards, big efficiency late last year when he was, you know, much closer to that um, follow-up knee operation. So I, I think he's an exciting week one play, and I've already bet the over on his yardage this week. Rashad White is another one. 45 and a half yards is the market line for his rushing yards. We're 16.3 over that. But I think that even if you look at Rashad White and you worry about his rushing workload because of the Vikings being the favorite here, what we like most about Rashad White, arguably, is that he should be safe regardless of game flow. If the Bucks do fall behind the Vikings, then Rashad White should be the primary pass catching back. So however his yards come, I think there should be plenty of yards and plenty of opportunities for Rashad White here. It's a very easy start for me. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I, by the way, I think this Vikings-Bucks game has some shootout potential. Um, I think the, the you know, Vikings can obviously score points. Uh, they're, they're at home, you know, dome game. And I think the Vikings defense is going to be pretty bad this season. And, you know, there are at least weapons in, in Tampa. If, if uh, you know, Baker Mayfield can have a decent game, I think there's some shootout potential here. The Bucks never came out this offseason and said, like, Rashad White is our feature back. But there were a lot of little comments from the coaching staff 
maybe we're biased, but to me, how I read them is that like Rashad White is the feature back. Um, that includes their, their OC, Dave Canales, saying a couple days ago, he called Rashad White a fantastic back, and then he called the other backs on the roster good. <laughs> so, you know, I, I read that as, yeah, we have these other guys that can mix in here and there, but, you know, Rashad White is our best back, and we're going to treat him as such. Yeah, and you don't want to overrate coaching words because they are just guys who talk. <laughs> but if you look at reality, you compare that with, Rashad White being a third round pick that we haven't seen be a feature back yet. And the competitors are Sean Tucker, who was undrafted. I know there was the heart condition, but still an undrafted guy. Uh, Chase Edmonds has proved he's not very good. Keyshawn Vaughn has proved he's not very good. So there's just not a whole lot of competition. So as long as Rashad White doesn't stink, he should do at least well in opportunities. And the Vikings were terrible on defense last year. They swapped out coordinators for this year. They've made some other changes, but I don't think anything to indicate that they're going to become amazing. And we certainly have to see what they are this year. So I agree. There's some shootout potential to this game, especially after Baker Mayfield had a pretty good preseason. Kenneth Walker, we talked about Geno Smith, and I think we're going to be talking about pretty much all the Seahawks on this one. He made me uneasy in drafts because I didn't want to draft him because I don't know what to make of Zach Charbonnet, but I didn't want to be out on him either because maybe Kenneth Walker does just keep leading that backfield. And if I'm totally out, I could miss out on a guy who's going for 1100 yards on the ground this year. I think it makes it a little bit easier to start him this week. Not only that they have that soft matchup I talked about, but also the Seahawks final unofficial depth chart says Kenneth Walker, DJ Dallas, then Zach Charbonnet. That might mean absolutely nothing, but at the very least, it means that they want you to know Kenneth Walker is their starting running back. So go ahead and start him this week and then we'll see. Yeah, I think so. I mean, generally we see rookies roles get bigger over the course of the season. So, you know, if anything, Charbonnet's role might be smaller this week, this week than it's going to be going forward. Walker did have that groin injury uh, very early in camp, but he, he was back to full practices by mid-August and it's not even on the injury report this week. So I'm not worried about that at all. And like you said, it's just, again, it's an ideal matchup at home. Seahawks favored big implied total. I, I think it's definitely a good, a good spot for Walker. Raheem Mostert's spot got better. Not that long ago when Jeff Wilson jr. Landed on IR to open the season. Now I think the question with Mostert is primarily long-term. Can he hold up? But that's not a week one question. I think he can hold up for week one. And last year, we saw Raheem Mostert go five straight games with 14-plus carries for these Dolphins. And in that five-game stretch, the Dolphins lost three of those. So even if they're falling behind, he's going to be the lead ball carrier in this one. Salvin Ahmed looks like the RB2 at the moment. Early summer reports before all the stuff around Jeff Wilson said that Mostert looked healthier, looked like he had regained some of his burst. He was catching the ball more, so... I think Raheem Mostert's an exciting play this week. I think for me, the biggest challenge is to not get too excited about Raheem Mostert <laughs> and start him over guys that are more like weekly starters. Because yeah. if this game, you know, does get out of hand in favor of the Chargers, maybe we just don't get much of anything from the Miami backfield. But there's a lot of upside to Raheem Mostert as long as you keep him in that you know, I guess low RB2 range for consideration. Yeah, and Mostert's capable in the passing game too. I mean, we, we saw him do a little bit there. So he, I, he's not going to get phased out if Miami falls behind by, you know, double digits in this game. Um, it's, it's, it's obviously a fun game. Chargers Dolphins has the second highest over under on the week behind only uh, Thursday night's Chiefs 
Lions game and and the Chargers since Brandon Staley arrived have been much tougher against the pass than the run. That's kind of how, how Staley formulates his, his defense. The Chargers last year, 27th in adjusted points allowed through running backs. Devon A-Chain is going to play, it looks like, by the way. Um, he was a full go in Wednesday's practice, but he literally got zero first-team snaps with the starters this preseason. So they're probably going to have to get him out there just because, you know, again, they're, they're kind of short on bodies. Um, but I'd be surprised if A-Chain got more than – a handful of touches in this game. I think, you know, most of it will get 15 to 20 touches. Yeah, I agree. There should be lots of touches as well for the Washington backfield this week. Seven point line in their favor against Arizona is the second largest of the week, trailing only Baltimore against Houston. And for me, that makes Brian Robinson a pretty high floor start with a decent ceiling this week. Not only is he going to be the lead ball carrier, but it didn't even look like Antonio Gibson was operating as the clear leader on the receiving side. They were kind of splitting up those opportunities. So even if this game is more competitive than we're expecting, I don't think that freezes out Brian Robinson and means Antonio Gibson's in there. What that does right. mean between these guys is I'm pretty comfy starting Brian Robinson, and I would rather not use Antonio Gibson just yet while we wait to see what that role looks like. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with Gibson as a play this week just because I like the spot for Washington in general and just, you know, rushing volume in general if they're, if they're playing with the lead. Um, the preseason usage was interesting, as you mentioned. Like, it wasn't – Robinson in the early down roll and Gibson in the pass passing down roll. It was like them just splitting work down the middle, kind of both doing both things. So if that's actually how Washington's going to play it, then, you know, Gibson is, is, you know, pretty much just as strong a play as Robinson this week. I'm still kind of expecting it to be more, you know, more of a clear divide in terms of roles where Robinson's the primary early down guy and Gibson's playing more in passing situations. And if that's the case, then, then Robinson is the better play this week because how we expect the game script to go here. Yeah, that's what I would assume as well. I think the the fact that we can't be certain until the games start is what keeps either player from sitting higher in our rankings. But yep. I'd probably start Brian Robinson over Cam Akers and Najee Harris in my own lineup because I like the game situation a lot better. Yep. And I think that there is some lack of clarity with those other guys as well. Probably not playing him over Damian Pierce. I want to. That one's really a toss-up where I know about Damian Pierce's role with Houston and I worry about the matchup. So, you know, week one of the year where we haven't seen anything really from any team, I would tell myself, all right, let's play Damian Pierce here. We'll see what happens with him this week. And then, you know, if if, if things change, maybe it's Brian Robinson the next time. Pierce definitely, I think, a safer bet for, for snaps and touches, but obviously a much, much better matchup for Robinson. As far as we know. Jamal Williams, New Orleans lead back with Alvin Kamara out. He sits just above that range of guys that I was just talking about considering. How do you feel about Jamal Williams against Tennessee this week? Yeah, I'd say Jamal Williams, uh, Saints feature back because, you know, Alvin Kamara is serving the first of his three-game suspension. Kendra Miller, I don't think he's going to play. He hurt his knee again and did not practice on Wednesday. So that leaves Kirk Merritt. Who, who I had like never heard of until a week or two ago as the Saints likely number two back. Now, you know, Taysom Hill, if there's going to be a, you know, a Taysom Hill game, this is a good spot for it. It wouldn't surprise me if we look up on Sunday night and Jamal Williams is like, you know, top five in the NFL in terms of like snap rate in week one. Like he could play like 80 to 90% of the Saints snaps in, in this game. The, the matchup's bad. Um, you know, Tennessee's been good against the run for a while, including last year. They allowed the second fewest uh, running back rushing yards. 
based on volume, I think Williams makes a, a pretty solid RB2 play this week. Javante Williams is somebody that's generated plenty of buzz with his comeback from the knee injury last year. But to me, he's similar this week to Anthony Richardson in that I'm very happy with how things are going. I like the outlook for the season, but I would rather see a week of Denver's actual usage with Javante Williams before I decide to put him in my fantasy lineup. Yeah, I would rather wait. Um, you know, some teams probably don't have that luxury. Um, you know, Williams is not even on the week one injury report. So that's good news. Sean Payton said Williams will have a quote big role this weekend. He, he then went on to say, he, he kind of alluded to that, you know, there is going to be a, a snap number for Williams where they don't want to take him over. Um, you know, Peyton wouldn't say he actually said he didn't, doesn't know what that number is yet. I, I'm definitely not expecting Williams to come out there and, you know, get anything close to a full, full workload. We're pretty much projecting something close to a 50, 50 split between him and P Ryan. Um, but the matchup's good against Vegas, which helps too. So I, I do think Javante Williams is in that running back three flex discussion. Yeah. If you waited on running back and he is one of your higher drafted running backs, I think it's okay to go ahead and take a shot on Javante Williams for that matchup. And if you want to know who belongs in your starting lineup, then you should check your team Intel page on DraftSharks.com. It syncs with your league to get your exact scoring and lineup settings. We've got a formula in there that starts with our weekly projections, but also includes player upside and then clearly displays who we recommend for your specific lineup. And if you still want more info beyond that, if you've got one last spot that you just can't decide on, click the Who to Start tool under the Tools menu on DraftSharks.com. Enter the players you're considering. You'll get a full breakdown of each guy to help you make that decision. Wide receiver, Jared. We started talking about him before, but the Seahawks wideouts lead this area. Jackson Smith and Jigba is expected to play. Practice in full Wednesday. What do you think about this trio for setting week one lineups? Well, I think DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett should be in your starting lineup. Um, I think they're both uh, top 20 options in our week one rankings. You mentioned this Rams secondary. You know, on paper, it looks like one of the worst in the NFL. JSN, I would I would try not to use just because there's a, a chance that his his snaps are just not you know what they're going to be by the time we get to October. Just you know the fact that he's coming off the wrist injury, he missed uh, you know a couple weeks of training camp as a rookie. Um, so it, Smith and Jigby would be someone I would, I'm not trying to use, but like, again, if you're in that you know range in the, you know, forties of the rankings, like he does have upside because of his talent and because of the matchup and, you know, time loss to injury aside, we don't know what his role is going to be anyway. We don't know what Seattle really wants to do with him playing time wise. So it'd be nice if you can get a week of watching that before tossing him into the lineup. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans both sit inside our top 30. It's not a shock. It's not far from where they were in the preseason rankings. I think, Jared, helping them this week is shootout potential that we talked about, potential trailing conditions if Minnesota does jump out to a lead. Um, the Bucks should run the ball more than they did the past two years this season, but it's not like they're built to lean on the backfield. I mean, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are arguably their two best players across positions, so... There should be plenty for both of these guys, plenty of volume. And like I said before, we're talking about a Vikings D that was very bad last year. and needs to prove otherwise this season. Yeah, Vikings pass defense, and I guess defense in general, is definitely one we're going to, I think, be attacking for a lot of the season. You mentioned before that Baker Mayfield had a nice preseason, which is you know nice to see, better than him not having a nice preseason. So that makes Evans and Godwin a bit comfier. The Vikings added Byron Murphy in free agency, who's like easily their best corner. He's their only proven corner. It looks like he's going to play mostly on the interior this season. Um, so he, he's going to be more of the Godwin matchup in this game. So I, I actually think, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, wide receiver corner matchups that Mike Evans um, has the better matchup in this game. He's someone I'm going to um, consider using in DFS tournaments this week. Cause I, I think it, you know, there's the potential for it to be a, one of those, you know, classic big Mike Evans games. 
I would add that the fact Byron Murphy was available on the open market um, doesn't push me to believe that he's going to shut down Chris Godwin yeah. here. Plus, I wonder if Baker Mayfield can throw the ball far enough to take advantage of Mike Evans. Hopefully. Yeah, it's not it's not a shy away matchup for Godwin. I just think, um, you know, between the two, Evans theoretically has has the better matchup. Tennessee, we've got DeAndre Hopkins. We've got Traylon Burks. They are separated by quite a bit of space in our week one rankings Jared, first of all, I guess, sell me on DeAndre Hopkins as wide receiver 22 in PPR this week. Yeah, it's tr- and maybe we should adjust this because Traylon Burks was a full go in practice on Wednesday. You know, when I initially did these projections, I was kind of I was expecting Burks to play, but maybe not be a full go. And the fact that he was full go on Wednesday, maybe, you know, he is going to play his normal workload. I- I'd still be a bit gun shy starting Burks just because he missed so much time in August. And he obviously you know, does have DeAndre Hopkins to compete with for targets now. Uh, so maybe the gap's a bit too big, but I do think Hopkins, you know, is a, he has more target potential this week, I think, than he will most weeks, just as, you know, Burks kind of you know, gets, gets back into the swing of things. Yeah. I'll defer to Hopkins over Burks for week one lineups for the reasons you just mentioned. I mean, they paid DeAndre Hopkins despite having trail on Burks who was healthy at that point. So yeah. clearly they want him to be heavily involved and we'll start seeing just how heavily that is um, in week one. There could be an extra challenge for Hopkins in the coverage matchup with Marshawn Lattimore, although we don't know for sure how they'll play Lattimore on the other side. And we also don't know about Lattimore's health because he tweaked a knee tweaked on August 18th in a joint practice and then was out until this past Monday was a limited participant in Wednesday's practice this week. So we'll see about Lattimore for that game. We'll see how good he is this season. I'm not downgrading a wide receiver for him yet. Just a potential extra challenge. So not excited for Hopkins. If I'm deciding between them, it's certainly easily Hopkins. And I'll try to shy away from Burks a little bit until we get some in-season evidence on how playable he might be. Yeah, plenty of Burks in, in basketball. So if he does have a, a nice game on Sunday, I'll still be happy. That is the comfy place to have him right now. Nico Collins, we might have in both places because he's even higher in our week one rankings than we had in preseason, Jared. We've been high on Collins ever since our rankings first got published this year. What pushes him up even a little higher for week one? Yeah, you know, like when I I set out to start, you know, putting together the week one rankings, I didn't like have in mind that I wanted to have Nico Collins higher than we had in preseason. Just kind of worked out that way. And I think at some point you you kind of, you know, should just trust the numbers. Um, I think it's, I just feel better about Nico Collins standing as the clear number one receiver in Houston right now than a lot of the other guys in that range. Um, You know, we kind of thought Nico would be the number one heading into the, the summer Nico Collins drew 30% of CJ Stroud's targets this preseason. You know, obviously a small sample. We're not expecting him to get a 30% target share during the regular season, but I do expect him to be the clear target leader on Sunday. And, you know, it's as Houston is going to be most games this season, they're probably going to be playing from behind early in this one. That should mean plenty of passing. So I just think Nico's a, a you know pretty good bet for like, you know, six to eight targets. And CJ Stroud's going to be inconsistent, but one thing he does really well is throw a really nice deep ball. So even if he and Nico Collins connect twice on those in a game, it could be a fantasy week maker. So yeah, I, I like Nico Collins where he is. He's just outside the top 36. So it's not like we're saying Nico Collins, the key to your week one lineup. But you know, if you're looking for a flex, if you're looking for a sleeper in that range, uh, I yep. like Nico Collins as that click. Jordan Addison is behind Nico Collins, wide receiver 41 in our PPR rankings this week, Jared, tell me what that means for Addison, I guess for this week and maybe going forward, if there are any implications mm-hmm. on that end. Yeah. No, nothing like long-term I'm worried about. I, I, I just wanted to project him a little bit conservatively this week because remember he missed most of the spring with an undisclosed injury. And then he missed about a week of August in the concussion protocol. 
Um, so I guess I wouldn't be shocked if KJ Osborne outsnaps Jordan Addison in week one. Um, and I think Addison's going to be on the field plenty. He, he he'll, you know, he'll draw a fair number of targets, I think. And again, the, I think the matchups, it matchups fine. Their shootout potential here. Vikings are at home. Addison's not like a, a must bench. You know, if you draft him as your wide receiver three, he's probably okay to stick with. Um, and I would expect to see him higher in the weekly rankings going forward. I just think you know, played a little cautious in week one for the rookie. Yeah, one thing I'm curious to watch here is the playing time of these wideouts because in addition to drafting Addison, Minnesota also signed Josh Oliver for pretty significant money in free agency. He's primarily a blocking tight end, but it's not like they're taking TJ Hawkinson off the field to play Josh Oliver. So does that mean significantly more two tight end? Does that mean significantly less three wideouts? So, you know, there's some question there enough to make it, you know, maybe a good idea to pump the brakes on Jordan Addison, at least for this week, and we'll see where we're at heading into week two. Now there are leagues where you'll find players such as Traylon Burks, Nico Collins, Jordan Addison, even on waivers. Most waiver advice focuses on deeper leagues. Our free agent finder specifies waiver advice for your exact league though. It highlights top picks among who is actually available in your league. And it gives you a number of ways to evaluate those player values, whether you're looking for a fill in for this week, whether you're looking for most rest of the season upside, whatever your parameters are, we got you covered. So use the free agent finder, check for your league specifically. Now, tight end to wrap things up today, Jerry, we're going to talk, we're going to start with a player that I've been a little apprehensive about since (laughs) at least the beginning of August. I don't know, maybe a lot of the summer, but Kyle Pitts. So obviously it's week one. We're primarily focused on whether to use him. And I think if you drafted Kyle Pitts, you basically have to start him this week because you drafted him as a top six tight end. There's no point in drafting a top six tight end so that then you can platoon that with somebody else during the season. So you go ahead and use him this week, most likely if you drafted him. But here's why I'm a little wary. One is the knee, which doesn't seem like it's gotten all the way back to 100%. He's been wearing a brace. Two is the offense, which we know leans run. And I'm just not sure I trust to take full advantage of Kyle Pitts's talent and three is tied to that. There was the recent, I don't know if it was a report or just words from Josh Kendall of the athletic, but he said, I won't be surprised if Kyle Pitts is no more than the number four target here. Now I think that that's a good example of a beat writer just saying something and not actually thinking about what it means, because I think it would be nuts if Kyle Pitts is the number four target on this team. But what that does tell me is it doesn't signal great things for the role that Kyle Pitts has been playing in what the team has been doing with people watching. And I think I saw Mr. Kendall go back and say he meant uh, fourth in total touches, not targets. I think he said, um, I think he said Bijan, uh, Drake London and Tyler Algier will finish with more touches than, than, than uh, Pitts, which is probably, probably accurate. So uh, just to, just to shore shore that up. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I still have concerns about, Kyle Pitts's usage and what Arthur Smith's going to do with them. We saw Kyle Pitts once in the preseason. He ran her out on five of Desmond Ritter's 10 dropbacks. That's not good enough. Uh, Johnny Smith and McCole Pruitt combined for seven routes on those 10 dropbacks. Now, I, mean, I don't know. It's preseason. Maybe they're just easing Pitts back in off the, the knee thing. Um, but he's definitely not a comfortable guy to own or start this week. Um, Carolina was also fifth in adjusted points allowed to tight ends last season. So, you know, it could be a tougher matchup for Kyle Pitts. Like you said, like I can't imagine you're going to bench him if you, you took Kyle Pitts as a you know top six tight end. Let's just pray we get some some good usage out of him in the opener. Yeah, if you did draft him, watch the early season signals. You know, if 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 the numbers are fine, but the playing time is iffy, you know, he might become a sell candidate early in the season. 
Tyler Higby, on the other hand, might look good early in the season and might start right away. I mean, he's well set up for just like default targets this week. The Seahawks were the best scoring matchup for tight ends last year. The Seahawks are now the fourth biggest favorite of week one against these Rams. So we're likely facing a trailing game script. And of course, Cooper Cup is out and everybody else is Van Jefferson or worse. So, I mean, Tyler Higby could be putting up big numbers this week. Yeah, we saw eight games of Higby without Cooper Cup in the second half of last season. Higby drew a 20.8% target share in those eight games. That was fifth highest among tight ends over that stretch. Um, And I think, you know, that's a reasonable projection for him this week, especially against this Seahawks defense, which does have some good corners on the outside, but was not good against tight ends last season. So, I mean, to me, Higby's a pretty – Um, clear favorite to lead the Rams in targets this week. Now, I think the other question at tight end is really a range of guys. And it starts at number 11 and goes to at least number 19 in our rankings. That starts with Hayden Hurst, ends with Luke Musgrave for now, with I think plenty of potential for movement based on injury situations and all that over the next few days. For me, Jared, in that range, there are lots of questionable guys with roles that we're waiting to see how they're defined offenses were waiting to see how good they are and several rookies that were waiting to see just how early they're ready to play key roles and perform well in the NFL within all of that Sam Laporta is somebody that we did move up a little bit yesterday I would even move him up a little higher in that range because I'm willing to chase the upside that he has in the week's highest projected scoring matchup with Kansas City and chasing all the buzz that we've heard ever since he arrived versus you know whatever risk that I think he shares with the other guys he's competing against in that range of the rankings. Yeah. And we'll be arguing about this range of the tight end rankings all season because, you know, it's just a bunch of similar guys and it'll get more clear as we, you know, start to see, you know, target shares and, and playing time and all that stuff. But it's definitely tricky week one. I'm with you that Laporta, you know, among these eight or nine guys, you know, the ceiling on him is, is just as high, if not higher than everyone else's. So that's working in his favor. I think if you want a safe guy this week, to me, it's Hayden Hurst, who, you know, we were high on all off season, really, since he signed that, you know, surprisingly big deal with Carolina. The preseason usage was good. DJ Chark likely out for Carolina this week. He has been out for uh, a week or two with a hamstring and didn't practice on Wednesday. Adam Thielen and Terrace Marshall on the injury report this week, they were both limited on Wednesday. And then Atlanta, who Hurst gets on Sunday, was 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight, tight ends last season. So I think it's a good matchup. And I think Hurst is, you know, among these guys, to me, he's the safest bet for volume. And revenge game potential against a former employer in the Falcons. Didn't even <laughs> consider that. Oh, yeah. You love the revenge game storyline. <laughs> We'll see about Dalton Kincaid. We'll see about Luke Musgrave. I mean, I would rather sit Dalton Kincaid if I can help it. Of course, depends on where you drafted him and what you put with him. Luke Musgrave, he might climb my rankings if Christian Watson yes. can't go for the Packers. Yeah, Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, no practice on Wednesday. If both those guys are out, then it might be Musgrave who moves all the way up to tight end 11 in these rankings ahead of Hayden Hurst because it's just like by default. We, based on everything we saw in the preseason, we know he's going to be out on the field almost every snap. And then if he's competing with, you know, Samore Toure and, uh, you know, Dontavian Wicks or whoever it's going to be out there for targets. I think, you know, Musgrave's a good target. But the other guy I wanted to mention, I know he, he's a favorite of yours, is uh, Gerald Everett, who I think is, is a nice play this week just because we, we want tight ends in high-scoring games on good offenses. The Chargers have the second-highest implied total on the week behind only the Chiefs. Uh, good matchup against Miami, who was 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends last year. So, again, if you're, if you're a team that doesn't have that locked-in starter at tight end, I think Everett is in a good spot this week. That's an option we call Chargers tight end as opposed to Gerald Everett because Gerald Everett is exactly. very good at football. Exactly. 
finally streaming defenses it's you know the regular season so let's hope that you already have your defense roster that you're playing week one but just in case we're going to do both week one and then week two options and jared i think washington's the obvious one like so obvious that i drafted it in my ffpc main event draft for this matchup with arizona and josh dobbs so in case you're looking for one and washington's not available my next two are the Jaguars against Anthony Richardson, and we'll see if that's a mistake or a great spot. And then the Broncos at home against the Raiders, I think, are another good one. I like Jacksonville. You know, I kind of like Minnesota, who we talked about being a bad defense, but it's just like if you're getting 40, if you're getting 40 Baker Mayfield dropbacks behind a questionable offensive line, I think the Vikings defense has some upside. The Saints don't sit quite as high in our week one rankings, but I think they're a fine play at home against Tennessee. And then I, we've talked about on, on uh, in other articles and on other podcasts about the Saints schedule. I mean, if you just look at the first six games, Tennessee, Carolina, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, New England, and Houston, like you, you could be fine starting the Saints for all six of those games. I think they get the Jaguars after that, who you'd probably want to bench them against. But then even beyond Jacksonville, there's like another, you know, four or five solid matchups for the Saints. So if you kind of, if you kind of don't want to worry about defense for the next month and a half, uh, which, you know, is not, not a bad idea depending on the rest of your life. Um, I, I think the Saints are a, a good D to just grab right now. And it's going to be interesting to see how good a defense they are because they have some aging pieces and then some other parts that we're waiting to see on. But, you know, it'll be a good test for how much does it matter how good the defense is versus the the matchup. For week two, another reason I like Denver for this week is because you can keep Denver for your week two defense when they are home against Washington. Now, we'll see both what the Broncos defense looks like this week and we'll see what Sam Howell looks like this week. And it might be by this time next week, I'm like, "Ah, I'm scared to play Denver against Sam Howell. But I think as of right now, I'm willing to bet that Denver at home against a guy making his third NFL start is a, at least a solid play. Yep. I I'm with you there. Um, On the other side of that game, if you do have Washington for this week, I think you can, you can keep them and just roll them against Russell Wilson, who, you know, really throughout his career has been a guy that's taken a bunch of sacks and that definitely didn't change in Denver last year. The other team you could grab now would be the giants. I just think starting the defense against the Cardinals, um, at least until Kyler Murray comes back is going to be a viable strategy, whether it's Josh Dobbs under center again, or Clayton tune. Um, it's a bad offensive line in Arizona. So I, I really think you could um, stream defense against Arizona all season, you know, probably end up with top 10 numbers. And I think now that we're into the season and, you know, like Leonard Fournette has not signed with anybody, it's okay to drop him for that second defense to get ahead of the week two yeah. streams and make sure that you're set for your starting lineup. For sure. Yeah. I mean, Fournette's a good example. Like him and Hunt, I, I have, you know, we've had people email us about them this week and I've said, you know, I think it's fine to drop both those guys. I would say in general, I'd rather um, drop a bench wide receiver for a second defense than a bench running back. If you have, you know, any running back who seems to be an injury away from the lead job, I would, I would definitely try to keep that running back. Yes, I would not go dropping Ty J Spears for your week two defense. Exactly. So that's it for this week one preview show. We're going to be back Friday to talk DFS. And then starting Tuesday, we're going to have a new weekly waiver wire show. So make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and a review. We not only love your feedback, but we appreciate your help in growing our audience. Thanks for watching and for listening. Now let's go win this week.